The information presented in this program is not intended as legal, health, or nutritional advice. All topics are provided for informational purposes only and are not necessarily endorsed. Neither Light On nor its host accepts responsibility for any statements, views, or opinions presented in this episode. All rights reserved. It feels like all our heroes are coming. We all know why. Painful enough to pretend. The world itself is just one big hoax. Welcome to A Light On. Welcome to the 50th episode of A Light On, actually. So we got to make it special. Uh, today I'm I'm joined by Sophia Smallstorm and uh, my usual partner in crime, Remy Vega. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, so Sophia, I guess I wanted to start, you, you've done so much work. I wanted to start with a little bit of your background for people who may not uh, be aware of it. Can you give us a brief background on yourself? I don't even know how to start that, but <laughs> except I was never a political person. You know, I was more heady and I was interested in writing and I wanted to be a writer. I worked for magazines and whatnot. And then the whole 9-11 thing happened, and I just remember my mother calling me from New York, where she lives, and telling me that one of the towers just f collapsed. And I said, mm. bullshit. I, I'm sorry, but it just came out of me. And my mother goes, what do you mean? I said, it's not possible. She goes, well, it happened. So after that, you know how they say, my, one of my favorite sayings is this, a straight line is the quickest way to the wrong place. So I followed a zigzag path and that's where I am today. So that's my background. How's that? Awesome. So 9-11 kind of jump-started it all for you. Yes. And then I I remember, do you ever remember deception dollars? Deception dollars. They no. looked like dollar bills, but they were printed with all kinds of little font size names of websites that you could go to that were like conspiracy websites yeah and yeah you remember those yeah and i was in a store in downtown encinitas a lot of people called it the hemp store it was kind of an eco-friendly and they had hemp clothing and whatever and they had a little stack of deception dollars and you could take one for free and i brought it home and i looked at it and i went to one of the websites and i uh somehow got a I ordered deception dollars and I got this sort of newsprint magazine from the woman who sent them out. And I started to read about 9-11. And what stuck in my mind was that the size of the steel columns appeared to perfectly fit the uh, trucks, the demolition crew that was taking everything away, right? The pickup trucks. And I thought, how is that possible? How could steel girders of that size break apart exactly in the length that fit the trucks and diagonally cut right remember the diagonal cuts <laughs> yeah yeah so i just thought there was something really wrong with this and i started to talk to people and that was the beginning of the zigzag path and i def uh, eventually got a video and it was by eric huffschmidt painful mm. deceptions and i happened to know someone who knew him, which was a really wild. So I called him up and I said, what can I do? What can I do to help you? And he said, no one has ever called me before and asked that question. <laughs> That's how it started. So here's the, the thing. You have to have in you that, what can I do? Desire, right? Yeah, sure. 
Um, 9-11 was the wake-up call for me, too. That's really that my, my beginning as well. But I discovered you from uh, your work on chemtrails. And I thought that was fascinating. And I really have never really covered that subject on the show. But I've, you know, I've known about I've known something was going on uh, up there. And, you know, there's all kinds of metals that are found. And, and so that's my kind of basic knowledge. But you connected with so much. I mean, you really go into detail. So can we talk about that a little bit? And and also, we, we spoke on the phone a little bit a few days ago. And um, that was when the the whole New York smoke thing, I'm in New York, and it was covered in smoke. And you mentioned uh, something about that. So anything about that you can uh, impart would be fantastic. Well, all I can tell you is, people know this, your listeners probably know this, but these natural disasters, these weather calamities, um, these are all now things that can be created. And a lot of, the, you know, the Joe public would say, no, how is that possible? And why would they do that? <laughs> and they would do a lot of things that we don't recognize as being doable. And their technology is so advanced. Whatever they tell us they have, they're decades past that. Oh, right? yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. So it's the idea of accepting that things that we took as acts of God, insurance companies will call a natural disaster an act of God. That's actually terminology. Um, mm. But no longer are these things acts of God. And so then you can ask yourself, well, is mankind, the people who have got these technologies, are they trying to play God? Well, they're obviously trying to gain control over something that in previous centuries and millennia was not under the control of human beings right right and the pathway that has brought them that control is called science and an offshoot of science or let's just say a twin of science is this technology right so between science and technology we've gotten the capacity to insert ourselves and i will use the word insinuate because there is a definition of insinuate which means going into right Mm -hmm. we've got that capacity to go into many different um, natural environments and to start interfering. And I think a lot of the interference is for observation purposes. And the interference, whether it's weather interference, whether it's disaster creation, as in an earthquake or something, um, or it's biological interference, it's designed to create chaos because chaos mm. serves them. Chaos destabilizes us and causes mm -hmm. us to, it causes disunity in us. Mm -hmm. And they, as, and with the earthquake thing, they've been using black noise, I think, for decades, right? They can hone in on a frequency and basically, like David Bowie was talking about it in interviews, like back in the what, 80s or 90s, I, I think. Um, that's pretty interesting. Like you can find patents on that. Of course. I mean, this. Yeah. I was just writing to a friend this morning about infrasound. Do you know what infrasound is? No, not exactly. Okay, so beyond the sound that we can hear is from like, I don't know, 40 hertz to 20,000 hertz or something like that. Mm -hmm. Males have uh, less capacity in the high end. But 
there are sound waves that are below what human beings can hear, and certain animals can hear them, and there are sound waves above. So infra is below normal hearing range, ultra is above. And infrasound is something we don't necessarily hear, but we can feel it. For instance, being next to an idling truck, you hear that deep rumble, mm -hmm. helicopters, right? So we are hardwired to react to infrasound because it is the same kind of deep, deep rumble that you really just feel. You feel it in the crystalline constructions of your bones. That signals things like an avalanche, an earthquake, an animal stampede. So your sense, your primal sense is get out of here. Something bad is happening. Mm -hmm. And if you look up infrasound, they have found ways to like boil your eyeballs with infrasound. They can rattle your joints apart. I and believe it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they write about it. Why should we not believe it? Yeah. They can do so much. People don't realize. And I People... think that's like, uh, you had mentioned this a few minutes ago. You said that like the technology and where it's actually at now versus what's even what's been disclosed. It's definitely like you just kind of have to use your, you know, use Occam's razor and, and realize like that if if there are, you know, pages and pages of documents and patents that are testifying to the use of um, like sonic, essentially sonic weaponry is, is essentially what that is to an extent can be. Then imagine, you know, what else is, could be done with the 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 you know the sophistication of the increase of you know technology technological on on technological grounds especially even with um uh you know audio and media so it's like media and light you know the the imagery so just kind of something that i thought of yes yeah. absolutely do you know that you're a little bit um uh faint in your oh. audio so oh, you might want to turn oh, it up a i bit. thought so too yeah i thought it was just okay. me yeah, I can definitely kick that. Let's see no, how's that. No, it's better. Is that yeah, better? Yes, yeah. very nice. No, so the thing is, you, we don't have the time to stop our neighbors and explain all this. Because seriously, with me, if I ever get into a conversation with my neighbor, neighbors, any neighbor, it doesn't matter, and somebody walks by with their cute dog, forget it. That's the end of the conversation. <laughs> the dog becomes the subject of everybody's attention. Yeah, people and are so simple. They're simple. I call it the LCD, lowest common denominator. <laughs> they need cute and fuzzy, right? Yeah. A joke versus some real joy. So I have my own little um, lexicon in a way. And our, we have natural needs. The need for love and bonding. That's the deep fulfillment side of the coin, right? And that yeah. has been... <clears throat> knocked down into sex and lust right mm -hmm. so the need for fulfillment to feel full to feel rich and satiated has been knocked down into food just eat 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 eat, eat, eat junk yeah, food whatever stuff feels your face, good right? right yeah and the need for joy joy has been knocked down into silly laughter stupid humor when email first came out, all people used it for was jokes. They sent jokes to each other back and forth all day long. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Those awful chain emails. Oh, my God. Remember those? Those too. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't send this, something terrible will happen to you. Yeah. Beelzebub will crawl out of your closet. Oh, my God. <laughs> so chemtrails. Yeah. 
it's yeah. very hard to get people to look up at the sky and notice that there are lines that fan out because that takes attention and patience. So I had wanted somebody with video equipment. I don't know if it's ever been done, but this was one of my favorite things to do when I started looking into chemtrails and realized how pervasive they were and how few people were able to even see them. And I say see. First you see with your eyes, then you see with a capital S, right? Mm -hmm. When you see with a capital S, you start noticing, observing, you start building your own vocabulary and knowledge bank. And these people around us they don't see with a capital s they barely see with a small s and you so i wanted somebody to take a video camera do a time lapse of the sky from a plane flying above seeing that ropey thing it left seeing it fan out and then doing it in reverse so you could see the cloud moving into the plane see what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would that convince the people probably not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably not to be honest I, mean, I think that yeah i think that that's a pretty impactful that could be a pretty impactful way to process it in reverse definitely that's an interesting and i i but i think if you're looking for it that might strike you as significant but if if you're already deciding to then it's probably not gonna it's probably not gonna break anything i've noticed that recently and i the Something about the 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 observation or the lack of observation in the on in the general, you know, uh, you know, events of the day, um, driving out and going somewhere. It's like the amount of times I just see people like very oblivious to the to the potential outcome of their general surroundings of what what can happen if they aren't you know mindful of the usage of this thing. And then so that whole perceptive um, you know tunnel vision. A lot of it is fed by, you know, the, the, the fact that they're usually looking down at their phone at a screen. Right. And then the other thing that you brought up and it's something that I've, I've, um, and I've, I've gone back to it now a second time, this idea of like the infra infrasonic, like sounds that are below the spectrum of hearing, but they do have a, an effect on you. I've actually really been thinking about that in regards to like road rage and like why people get so like animalistically insane in the car. And I started thinking about it in terms of those, you know, that resonance that's occurring from the machinery itself and what kind of inaudible, but, but, um, you know, palpable frequencies are, are being resonated through you. Um, and that, you know, that to me, I think kind of plays full circle with this, like this, um, I wouldn't call it an inability, but an unwillingness to, to see, to actually observe, you know, um, and so I don't know, I wonder if maybe if that is anywhere in your, if you've thought about that, uh, Sophia, the idea of how cars, and I think you, I mean, you brought it up, like you said, a truck was, you know, vibrating and then you brought up that, that, that tells people get out of here, you know, like there's an, there's an right. avalanche there. So it's almost like you're subjecting yourself to this, to this, um, you know, primal fear of, of a natural disaster, an avalanche of a, of a stampede. Um, but you're trapping yourself in this little metal box while you're doing it. So I don't know, maybe. Well, you're very, you're, that sounds perfectly plausible. Now, one thing that a broadcast engineer taught me many years ago was this concept of piezoelectricity. Have you ever heard that? Yes. I, yeah. And I've talked about it a lot. So the piezoelectric effect was discovered by Pierre Curie, and he abandoned his studies of piezoelectricity 
uh, back in the 1890s to help his wife Marie Curie isolate radium. So there was a kind of a drop on the development, the understanding of piezoelectric effect. But basically, a piezo crystal is a particular form of crystal. It has a particular molecular configuration, like a lattice or something. And piezo crystals, our body is full of them. Our bones have them, and they exist in nature. They exist, they're being used by technology. Your am amplification, tra auditory transduction in your ear, and then, you know, transducers of any kind in, in machinery, in industry, microphones, they all use piezoelectricity. So a, a piezo crystal receives a mechanical force and translates it into or produces from that mechanical force a voltage. So this is a way of creating free energy, right? So when you put a frequency, all frequency is registered as a mechanical force. It's like a drill. A frequency is like a like a pressure, it's sound waves are pressure waves, electromagnetic waves are frequencies that are not, they don't operate through pressure, but biological tissues and piezocrystals receive frequencies as pressure, mechanical force. And from the frequencies, they bend and generate voltage. Okay, so if you put a voltage on a piezocrystal, it will generate a frequency. So when you, I'm just using theory here, when you are when you are barraged by infrasound, the piezo crystals in your body are getting pressure on them and they are releasing voltage. And for all I know, that voltage is meant to activate your fight or flight response. Right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And now you're in this tin box, but the tin box becomes a it becomes like a tank. You're in a weapon. You yeah. could do something with that, that. You could hurt somebody with that. But laws of traffic and our whole codes of commerce and social behavior, they don't allow you to do it. You can't just take your car and drive on the curb and start ramming people. <laughs> so so this is it. We are we should be able to discharge uh, panic in ways that we really can't in our society. And we're constantly subjected to, let's just call it stressors that produce fight or flight response in us so you have two nervous systems in your autonomic nervous system it's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic and to put it very simply the sympathetic nervous system is your fight and flight and the parasympathetic is your rest digest and relax and they work concurrently i mean you flip between them all day long but at night you're primarily in parasympathetic because your body is telling you, I have to do some deep repairs and you need to lie down, don't move, don't do anything. And in the day, you are in sympathetic a lot of the time, especially in our lives, because we're doing stuff, we're needing to get stuff done, work, whatever. Um, so we have like a trade-off between night and day. But these nervous systems, Wi-Fi routers, you have a Wi-Fi router in your house and it's blasting all night. It's jolting your sympathetic nervous system. It's not allowing you to go into parasympathetic rest. So you are in fight or flight while you're sleeping, trying to dream and trying to repair. So we got off the subject of chemtrails, but yeah, the, okay. 
the weather see here's another thing we need sunlight and they have figured out how to dim the sky dim the light of the sun by their white yeah. haze they did a good job the other day in new york i'll tell you that much you mean with the fires or without the fires oh, the smoke yeah the fires or whatever it was i couldn't see the sun it was bleated out i felt like i was in like another reality yeah so that has to do with colloidal chemistry that i've also been trying to study and when i tell you I'm trying to study this. I do not do it in a scientific way. I mean, my form of study is to read a tiny bit and then try to understand and absorb and think about it. Mm -hmm. So smoke is a colloid. Your blood is a colloid. There are so many substances around us that are colloidal in nature. The hydrogel that they are talking about in the vax is a colloid. So a colloid is a, is a combination of two states of matter in suspension they're together and it's held together by electrical charge on the surface of the larger of the part larger type of particle so when you whip cream with a beater you are putting electric charge you're putting friction into a liquid cream and you're whipping air into it so then it stands up right but if you let it sit in oxygen it will start to destabilize blood when you centrifuge your blood it will spin out into solids and liquid because blood is a colloid. And the reason it flows in your body is because there is negative charge on the surface of the red blood cells and they repel each other and they are drawn to the positive charge of the blood serum, the mixture that they're in. So colloid is, in that instance, a solid suspended in a liquid. In the case of smoke, it's a solid, meaning bits of ash that have negative charge on their surface and they're carried in the air. But once smoke diffuses, once there's too much air and the source of the energy underneath it dissipates, then it starts to settle and it's no longer colloid. It doesn't appear to have shape. Whipped cream, fo foam, shaving cream, paint, ink, mud. Mud is a colloid. It's water and and soil particles. And it's all about the electricity on the surface of the solids that makes the thing move, right? Mm -hmm. And the source of the energy. So when you let blood sit, it starts to clot because the red blood cells start to glom together because they don't have negative charge on their surface. So when they disperse energy into the atmosphere, they can create all kinds of stuff. They can make clouds because what are clouds? They're, they're bits of solids that start to cohere with moisture, make a droplet. And then the more that are developed, they discovered, it's in my Chemtrails to Pseudo Life presentation at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. I think Daniel Rosenthal was his name, or Rosenberg. He discovered that pollution hanging over cities causes a haze because what is pollution? It's a colloid. It's um, particles, particulate matter suspended in air electrically. Mm -hmm. So this is how they generated the first chemtrails. They dispersed particulate and they knew that it would nucleate with the moisture in the air and create a haze. Or through so, fires, right? And I think that was like, I think even earlier, for as far back as like the late 1800s, they were doing it through, through fires. Like, possibly um, yes there, there's some i can't remember which um i might have actually diverted from that. i'm sorry but it, it just no, no. there was yeah there was a, a and i i got it on the um geoengineering watch it was just like a long list of 
you know, documented experiments. And one of them was that it was fires were being ignited on one coast. Um, and it was in the U S so I, so I just remember that. So it wasn't, obviously it wasn't that one, but yeah, I, it's just reminding me that that was actually kind of an even earlier concept that was executed as far back as that. That's And what that's, was the purpose? Sorry. To, to be able okay. to, to create, to create clouds and, 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 um, encourage and essentially disperse rainfall. Um, so I think they were burning on the West coast and then they would see the rainfall on the East coast within a certain period of time, very mm. predictable period of time and as and at a specific proportion as well. So it's really, yeah, that's like the, the, that's the early, you know, the primitive source of that, I think, um, one of the earliest, but that, it sounds to me, it, it just, the way you were explaining that it, it's, it sounds to, it's, it's an obvious, I think, um, you know, progression. I just, that. No, no, like, this is all very interesting. So, it, Patrick. Sorry, I just wanted to say, you made me think of, um, there's all kinds of weird, like, geological occurrences that people talk about during the plague era. And nobody really knows what happened back then because it was so far back. But uh, there's, like, you know, people saw comets and, and there was an acrid smell. It just makes me think, like, if they were doing stuff like that back then, like, who knows what they could have caused, um, you know, as far as, like, health concerns and whatnot. I don't know, but all I can say is it's good to have observation skills mm. and it's good to discuss your observations with others. Mm -hmm. And if there are enough observations being made and enough discussion, it's time to start documenting. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So the person that I want to draw attention to is this Clifford Carnicum who lived at the time in New Mexico. And I covered this in some of the newsletters I sent you. But he was one of the early people. He then became the person who founded the Carnicom Institute and a very big um, contributor to chemtrail research, let's call it. Although he calls it aerosols, not chemtrails. Chemtrails is a controversial, funky word. <laughs> so some people use it. Other people deplore it and say, don't anybody use that word it's very bad it taints the whole community hmm. so clifford discovered in 1999 that there was physical transformation of the atmosphere in a matter of minutes after aircraft flew by overhead the aircraft left these white trails the trails fanned out they left these masses in the sky which appeared like clouds do but it was obviously a type of foreign material. It wasn't a normal contrail. Contrails dissipate behind jets. And they're only left in certain instances to begin with. So Clifford was we call, what we call a watchful observer. And he writes or says in an interview, and this is my December-January uh, 2022 newsletter where I started to record all of this um, for the purpose of tying it into what's happening now with, with our health and beyond even what we absorb from the fact that our physical world is being changed. So he says in this interview, our physical world was being altered in a systematic, deliberate way without the involvement or consent of the public at large. And this it was the dispersal of foreign physical material into the atmosphere. And if it's foreign and it's material, it's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So... There have been many, many people since Clifford who have documented, who have filmed, who have taken samples of environmental fallout. All you have to do is put a pan out there and see what collects in it. 
And sometimes, have you seen the cobwebby stuff that collects everywhere? Uh, I think maybe on some of your videos, I saw a little bit of that, possibly. Yeah, well, if you have a balcony or a deck, you will often notice that there are cobwebs, and they're not necessarily spider webs. We, we, we pass them off as spider webs, but there are people who have taken these filamentous, stringy things and taken them to labs, and they're not spider webs, and the labs can't tell them what they really are, and you will see material forming on the hoods of your hood of your car i mean in certain when you see a lot of planes going by overhead and they're leaving these white lines and the white lines spread and thicken and they become a cloud mass then the question to ask is what's happening above the cloud mass but joe public doesn't even even consider that that cloud mass has been artificially created because he hasn't looked long enough to connect the plane that leaves the line with the fact that the line spreads out and makes a layer of haze. And then he doesn't even stop to think that, well, we didn't have a sunny day today. Oh my God, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's like a six hour or, or so, uh, you know, elapsing of time that goes from the, you know, the initial aerosol to the to the full-blown haze and that's far beyond um the the average person's attention span and that's i mean that's been well documented the, the limits of you know attention span being reduced so right i mean our attention is obliterated our attention yeah. spans and they've and purposely so i mean you can see that with social media they've they've absolutely um committed an assault on the attention span of the public which I think that oh, so I'm like I have seen some of the videos of these of um of some of the the fibrous the fibrous materials being analyzed under you know like under chemical analysis and have seen yeah it's like synthetic or or something <laughs> yeah right but yeah I'm I'm interested in in what you know in that timeline like so, so Clifford just... who who was who had a background in forestry which is a type of environmental science he got some beakers together he got an inexpensive microscope and he started to collect samples from the environment and from rainwater and soil and he says i went to work on the five fundamental w's where when why what and who the when and the where came into the picture well you know where and you know when right the why is in there. It gets harder to work with. The who is the one I had no access to. And I pursued the what with a great deal of emphasis. What is this stuff? So he started to submit physical evidence to the director of the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, Carol Browner, asking her to explain what this stuff was that he was catching in the hills of New Mexico. And the EPA just shut the door on him. They, yeah, they basically said, we have no obligation to identify any unsolicited material. Hmm. So what do you do then? You have to start educating yourself. And we, people like us are isolated. I mean, thank God for the internet, we find each other. But I don't, I can't walk out the door and bump into people like you. Yeah. Right? Certainly can't, no. So what Clifford found was three classes of materials in these samples he had collected. He had metallic salts, 
He had non-soluble web-like filaments, which we talked about, and fibrous stuff, and then something biological within the fibers. And so he put one of these filaments under a powerful microscope. I mean, now he's only able to afford certain kinds of equipment. He cannot get an electron microscope because they're like yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. And he says, I put this filament under the scope and saw that it's not just a filament. There's a whole lot of action inside that filament, a significant and complex biology taking place internally within this filament. So he started in 1999. He developed a little more expertise. He read textbooks for scientific methodology, bought different kinds of cheap, inexpensive equipment. And by 2010, he determined that he was observing a new set of organisms inside these filaments. And they were busy doing stuff. And one of them was very much like a blood cell. So he also found by 2014 that there was a tiny round dot, the smallest thing he could see with his microscopic power. And it was some kind of living entity, half a micron in size, some kind of bacteria-like thing. And he put lots of tests to this. These He started culturing what he was getting his samples, he started culturing tissues from people's bodies and finding the same stuff inside people's bodies. Oof. And he said that he called this a new biology because he could put his cultures into a Bunsen flame and they wouldn't deteriorate or degrade. So the three kingdoms of life at one level of the, the, the life chain are archaea bacteria and prokarya we are prokaryotic bacteria are different from us they don't have defined cell walls and archaea are still different because they respond they're tougher than we are if you walk through a big fire you would definitely get burned you might not even make it but archaea can live in the vents of volcanoes they can live in the ice shelf bacteria for instance if you cook your food that's the end of bacteria. They can't sustain heat. They can't sustain strong chemicals. That's why we use bleach in the house. And mm. they can't sustain being frozen. That's why you freeze your food. So bacteria don't grow on it. So he called this thing that he could see, but he couldn't, he couldn't figure out what it was. He called it a cross-domain bacteria. ICDB were his initials, short form. I call it the novel microorganism, NMO, because we have GMO, people are familiar with that term. So here's a novel microorganism representing a whole new biology going on in everything in the world. He could collect a weed from a field. He could correct, collect a leaf from a tree in the forest. He could take tissue from your body, tissue from somebody's body in you know, the depths of Africa, and they would have this stuff in them. Hmm. So he said, what is the purpose of this microorganism? What is it doing here? And the question is, he tried to, he wrote papers on this. He did his own kind of, you know, tests and studies. He used chemical analysis. He used infrared analysis. He used chromatography. And he said that 
this is an entire body of metabolic growth going on, a whole series of structures. It's a microbiology. So that means it exists on a very small scale and it has the potential to spread itself into macrobiology, right? Mm -hmm. So all biology is showing it and it exists throughout the entire living being as well as the biosphere. And the question is, did anybody care? And this is he, completely synthetic. It is, it is not natural. Okay. The blood cell form that he discovered within the filaments appeared to be human blood cells, but of an engineered nature. So ask yourself the question, why are planes flying above us, dropping off stuff that contains dried human blood cells? What is this all about? Is that something that's that's documented as part of the, um, I guess you could say, ingredients of the... Yes. Okay, yeah. I... He has... 400 plus papers on carnicominstitute.org and he's he's highlighting and and um showing that there's human there's there's some level of human like blood cells or um yeah like artifacts of human blood essentially right like sort of manipulated. they have manipulated yes uh -huh. wow. so all right so we have to ask your ourselves you know, what, what do we do now? He says that he managed to isolate the DNA, to extract the DNA from this thing. And he read textbooks on how to do it. And he has ended up with this, I'll just call it sludge. And this is the, this is the proper orthodox form of extracting DNA from, from any kind of organic material. But he doesn't have the capacity to read the DNA. He doesn't have the capacity to, to analyze it. He doesn't have the training. That takes a big lab with a bunch of credentialed people who have a lot of scientific education and training. So he, he just says, you know, um, is this nanotechnology? He says he cannot produce evidence with his equipment that he has. So, you know... We have something going on. I've seen, you can look at carnicominstitute.org. He's written letters to universities explaining that he's discovered this, offering them the, the white paper trail. And his white papers are not, they're not like Dr. Seuss books, you know? Hmm. So is, does anybody care? Now, with the materials we're finding in the blood of the vaccinated people, now people are noticing because you've seen video of things that look like devices, things that look like ribbons mm -hmm. and things. Now we have blood issues showing up in people. Mm -hmm. We have clotting. I was just reading today that people are getting um, retinal vascular clotting and starting to lose their vision, people who've been vaccinated. And this yeah. is caused by strokes, mini strokes, tiny strokes in the eye. Yeah, those okay. are documented in studies. I posted them a few days ago, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. So what is happening? What's going on is that there is a matching up of the work Clifford has done on people with an, a condition called Morgellons. It was, you know, conveniently named this as a reference. They were producing filaments in their bodies 
Their bodies were growing all kinds of very weird um, materials that were coming out of lesions. And now the people who have been vaccinated, their blood contains the same stuff that the bodies of all these people for the last 20 years have been talking about. But we have labeled them, let's just say, mainstream science has labeled them delusional. Mm -hmm. Only mm -hmm. now the public has been hit with the same stuff. Some people have described that they're saying that some of the de devices or things that look like devices may be like salt crystals or things like that. Do you think that there's um, a portion of that stuff that could be like misinterpreted? It's hard to say what something is just by what it looks like. Right. Right. You can look at a picture of something. I can have pictures of you and somebody who looks a lot like you and I can say it's the same guy. Mm hmm. But you, you cannot make a definitive proclamation based on what you're seeing. You have to be able to read it, touch it, read it in terms of its DNA. You have to have, this is where I say, if there's enough observation, there has to be documentation. People have to start getting together and helping one another because what you can't do, I might be able to do. And this is not happening. So there is a secret, unacknowledged, undisclosed biological technology that has floated to Earth for the last 20 years out of aircraft, I'm going to say. And now it's coming out of needles. Mm -hmm. And let's call this metabiology, beyond biology, right? Because biology in its natural form is what we're used to, but this is what we're not used to. So this is a form of metabiology, which is a word used by the Salk Institute back in the 50s, metabiology. And let's also throw in the word alchemy, because the goal of alchemy is to transform mankind mm -hmm. and things. You know, alchemists wanted to turn things into gold. So we've got a new technology, a new biotechnology. We've got structures and devices beginning an alchemical transformation of biology, homo sapien into homo something else. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out what this is because Clifford says in a more recent interview, and I put that on my blog. So if you go to my blog, sophiasmallstorm.com, there's an icon for pseudo life series right at the top of the page. And if you click on that, it takes you to my presentations, the two of them that concern all of this that I gave in 2011 and 2012. And then the films that I saw that supported that we had transhumanism on the table for the future. This was the big future scientific agenda. And I saw, credit goes to this young man from Los Angeles, Aaron Franz. He made a video called The Age of Transitions. I think he must have made it in 2008 or something. And I saw it in 2009. And immediately I realized, oh my God, all that synthetic stuff that's implanting in people's bodies that Clifford has been writing about for the last few years, it's about transhumanism. I just put two blobs together. It was, call it an intuitive gut connection. Mm -hmm. And I started talking in 2009 about transhumanism, and people didn't know what the hell I was saying. And I, they would say, what's the chemtrails for? And I would say, transhumanism. And they would say, what are you talking about? And I would say, it's not just to modify weather. It has 
It's a multi-pronged agenda, but the far-reaching ambition of this program is undoubtedly to transform us because there are synthetic materials being dropped out, sin, sin bio. Mm -hmm. And religious people, I offer them this version of S-Y-N for synthetic, sin bio, I offer them S-I-N, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I'll let you guys talk because I'll take a rest. Yeah, I mean, it, it. you know, I can say as somebody who's really delved into like the deeper, darker, more spiritual aspects of like what the people who are running the world are trying to do, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I know, um, I know Remy's looked into this stuff as well, um, but there does seem to be a, an agenda to really, um, to take over people's biology, to ground them in matter. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, all the pieces sort of fit fit together. That definitely seems like that's what they want to do. And hearing this stuff, you know, it kind of confirms a lot for me. My thoughts too, yeah. Like, so the idea of the alchemy, I see this um, through my own reading as sort of like an inverted alchemy. It's like the, the whole, like... Uh, the entire body of literature that I wouldn't say the entire, but the 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 width of the body of literature um, that deals with the idea of like um, hermetic the hermetic philosophy and alchemy, it's coded in this idea of turning metal into gold and changing human, the, changing mankind into like the full human, which um, is actually not really if the it's it's actually pretty explicitly stated by some of the people who who documented this especially towards like the end of the 1800s i have a book from a woman named um marianne atwood who documented some of the um harder to find um books on alchemy and that were available at the time that have since like at least become very scarce to find and one of the things that she explicitly states is that um, this idea that that this is all supposed to be rooted in some type of modification of the physical world in any sense is a complete divergence from the initial, um, you know, meaning of what these stories were supposed to represent. And that seems to be obviously that's a if you pay attention to the the unfolding of kind of the narrative and how it all plays out when you look at the multiplex layers of the symbol, the narrative, and then the so the so uh, you know the social implementation. It's always an inverted version of something, of something that might have like a generated a general principle um, that becomes inverted. So um, that's definitely like that, and um, this idea of modifying humanity through through means of essentially hacking the human. I think that that is, I think that's what's at the heart of the idea of like the the whole DNA genetic. Um, yeah. this, this idea that people want to modify DNA and they're sen essentially sending in signals into the body to manifest certain changes on the physical plane. My, my thought though, is that when it comes to like DNA and when you're talking about reading it, the process of DNA, and I was actually, um, just flipping through, um, Ray Kurzweil's, uh, the singularity is near book. And he, so the couple things he addressed relevant to this discussion are one of them is um, self-assembly of, um, you know, various forms of polymers, um, you know, nanotubes, nanowires, self-assembly within, you know, small scale, uh, relatively small scale um, environments, like within a test tube in a lab, instead of being mass manufactured in a factory. So he's saying that's the benefits of that. 
Um, and then the self-assembly is something that when paired with the body, like it, it's, as mentioned with the, uh, it dis disturbing the blood's flow um, through its, you know, through our, our body's um, natural bioelectric or magnetodielectric um, circulation process. You, you could see you could see why i mean if you if you start to like you said there are certain things that are intuitive connections that kind of just like they find themselves there um but what i i think of uh, as far as like the dna reading is the process seems a lot more like dna writing than it is reading and the reading is is after they've written it so it's it's they find certain you know you know the, and then the process of 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 reading dna is really using pcr to um you know, rule out and then you add certain, certain chemical, um, you know, combinations that they say there are certain criteria that they're trying to get rid of. And then those polymers will, re will, will then, um, what is it? Disintegrate, you know, and then the other ones are left. So th it's a really, it's a really difficult thing to really try to pin down when you start kind of putting scrutiny on, on the, the method of itself of, of genetic, um, of the the genetic uh you know, gen genetic studies in general gen genomics um but the what isn't lost though is that there is some type of input processing and output that goes on with that process that is relevant mm -hmm. and there are there are are some very discernible effects that are engineered and i think that the the slight difference between um you know, if you kind of look at the word, the word science for itself, or the method of science, which is like sciencing with a specific methodology of the scientific method. Um, and then you kind of compare that to what, what's actually engineering, it's kind of like, engineering has become what is attributed to the word science, it's more just getting things to happen by manipulating various things from the very discrete to the higher level of the to larger scale. So, um, I think that there's, um, you know, as far as like the finding the, the connection between what you're seeing like bioelectrically and with the, the interface, the interplay between like the, the piezo, piezo, um, electric energy harvesting and what that could be used for now computing all this. There's that when I was reading through the, the newsletter, it kind of, there was a moment where I was like, okay, so whatever he's finding back then that is connected here, it does put a bigger picture together to me. Um, there's always questions that I have, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to also critique the methods that are being used to, to validate so that you, I usually end up more so with a big picture than I do end up with a, here are the exact things and I can prove it in every single sense through material you know, interactions. It's just, there's more of like a, to me, I end up with a big picture. That's a story more so than it is like a, a description of every, you know, of how they built the road while they're, you're telling the story, right? It's like trying to tell a story and say, well, then they walked this road and it was this big and it had this, and it was made of this and these rocks. And then you end up on a story talking about rocks while you're trying to tell the story of like, you know, Mer Merlin and King Arthur getting to this this destination, if that makes sense. So um, I try not to get too wrapped up in those things, but I do think that if, if you look and you start to put those pieces together, there's something that leads to this idea of there's something trying to merge with our minds, our, our body, and then the, you know, the constant flux of electric, bioelectric, and just a dielectric, mag magnetodielectric, um, dynamics of the sky and our and, and everything and it's it's leading towards this um, 
it's it's leading towards a really strange like uh a system or uh let me let me find the right word for it i would say it's more of a uh ubiquitous infrastructure that requires some type of interface between the body and and computing and 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 there 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 has to be at least on some level some type of self-generating energy um medium which could be potentially maybe that's what this 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 like synthetic biological structure could be used for i'm just speculating obviously but i'm that's my that's my kind of that's what i was sort of processing through as you were explaining it hopefully that um that seemed relevant and well let's yeah. go to the sorry patrick go ahead oh i was just gonna say yeah that that's like uh i mean that's a really good point it's like we don't even we don't always know like what's behind the sort of constructs they give us and i i think really like the bioelectrical component is something that we should focus in on because that's probably the key to most of these how these things work you know what i mean um you know, I always say it like Tesla. Tesla gave us the secrets of the universe, you know, energy, frequency, vibration. That's, I think, and I think they know how to use that, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, here's the thing you know, the first computer that they managed to make was back in the 50s, and it was really big and bulky, and it held the equivalent of one MP3 song. And they've since discovered that DNA is a computer. It's a biocomputer. And it has existed and it has computed. It's constantly computing. It uses nucleotide base pairs. So computer code is binary. It's zeros and ones, right? And you're, the way you arrange and configure zeros and ones in whatever order, sequence, um, becomes something that stands in for for what occurs, what exists in the world. So you can represent anything by translating it into code. But DNA has this another kind of code. It has nucleotides, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. So we use letters A, G, C, and T. And science has simply translated those letters into everything from, you know, music to... Um, documents to images to whatever so the first hard drive 1956 was the size of two upright pianos back to back and it took a number of men to lift the thing and it held only one mp3 song it weighed over a ton <laughs> that's how they got to the moon right that's how they got to the moon <laughs> they jumped off that thing right <laughs> so dna is the oldest storage device and it can replicate data, make copies without errors. That's what's amazing. It makes perfect files. So reading DNA is called sequencing. Writing on it or programming it is called synthesis. And they now have the ability to read and write and copy DNA. The thing is, it it's expensive, but... To, to work with it. You need sophisticated equipment. But they have found that, you know, they can store some, I'm looking in my newsletter. This is my February, March 2021 newsletter. DNA is so micro and compact that it can be stored, kept safely from humidity and high heat. You can make trillions and trillions of copies from it. And 
it also does parallel computing in storage and in memory at the same time. Whereas in our computers, we do one or the other, right? So our present computers, computers struggle. I'm not even able to talk. I'm getting so emotional. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so let's see. Am I coming up with the numbers? But I wanted to find the numbers. Um, you can put millions of megabytes of data on just a speck of DNA, just one speck. So it's a lot more, not only is it robust, it lasts. I mean, they find stuff and the DNA is still good in it for eons, right? So we now have a, a biological computer that we can write on and store information on. And imagine if you can put that into the body to give the body instructions because the body already recognizes that kind of code. Yeah. See with that whole thing, the DNA thing is like, I don't doubt that they've figured out a way to give the body instructions. I just wonder how they're doing it because DNA itself, right? Like has never actually been validated. Like no one's ever seen, like they, what did they bounce? They bounced lasers off of crystals, right? To get the double helix. I think I, I read. Um, yeah. So, so like, we don't it's know. It's kind of like, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Like, no, I, that's just, what I know quick, of DNA. Me of that. Yeah, yeah. It just remind it reminded me for a moment of the the idea of like you don't really know something because of a picture of it, right? So yeah. it's like then you also have to ask the question like what methods does the camera that you're using in this analogy to get the image? What does it do in the process of ex you know extracting that image, so to speak? And that's my I, I you know that's my my sort of. Um, my suspended belief or suspended disbelief about the structure of DNA. I think that DNA sometimes can be understood as like a retrospective, a retrospective quantification, um, and uh, it's like a computing and coding process that we do to the essence of life. Like we we discover the essence of things, and then we're able to find this process. But it's it, it's it's almost not that like DNA is a computing system, but that we learned how to represented that way what, yeah we learned how to make our computing systems because we recognized sort of the principles within the essence of life that that we call dna like you could you you know deoxyribonucleic acid right so it's like what if those substances themselves are just essentially shorthand and which uh, that, that's a whole process of you know um kind of getting into the question of of chemistry as well like um what do they call it um organic uh, organic chemistry like that's a whole weird Thing. But I, 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 I do like again. I do think that that's a, it, it's a significant. The process is significant, and then what is being achieved, I do think is significant. Which sometimes yeah. people will throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, "Well, I'm not so sure about this method. So therefore, anything that we do actually legitimately discover, right. we just got to throw out." It's like not always with that, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I'll stay out. I'll, I'll jump out again. Absolutely. Well, no. Yeah. One thing that we have to understand. It's a very basic principle. Is that our biology consists of self-assembling nanomachines. That's what it is. It's nanotech. Our biology is nanotechnology, but it's it it is found and it occurs and it operates naturally. Now, what we have done in labs with this happens with training. You can't just roll out of bed and become a biotech whiz, right? So 
people who have some training and they have very specific training. I live in the biotech capital of the world, San Diego. And I have a friend who's worked on a mouse gene for 10 years. And this is all they do. They, they are so compartmentalized, but there are oh, so yeah. many of them. And they, they deliver their findings upward into a pyramid. And I don't think they really know where That's their findings problem. are going, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have a pyramidic hierarchical structure in our society. And there's no way I can learn everything there is to learn about DNA. I would have to quit doing everything else. And even one scientist doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. It takes a big horde of them. And you and I, we report on what we are observing. We try to understand it to the best of our ability but i can't explain dna to you and you can't explain it to me but that's why it's so important to like bring up these these things that we don't really know what's at the fundamentals of of this you know this thing called science that they give us because really like it's rooted in like obscuring what the true nature of that thing is you know what i mean and we see that with virology we see we see it with everything we do but the thing mm -hmm. is we either have to, everybody needs a story. They need an explanation. Why does it rain? Because the gods are sitting up there and they're clapping their hands and it <laughs> releases water from the sky. This is how mm -hmm. ancient people started, right? Mm. Something like that. So everybody needs a story. Your little four-year-old asks you, mommy, why did it rain? And what are you going to tell him? Well, because salt floats up from the ocean and dust floats up from the ground and it it these form condensation nuclei and they attract atmospheric moisture you cannot explain this to a four-year-old he's not going to retain it well so we have to just simplify it in ways that we can understand it and i don't even use the word truth because truth to me is too reductive I see expansion of understanding as truth. The more I understand, I now understand that they can program crystals. And I understand that they can put them into your body. And those crystals are like messenger envelopes. They're like envelopes, letters containing instructions, and your cells admit them in. And I understand that they have they have now created a way for the public to accept intrusion into the body by way of a needle that puts this foreign, synthetic, unnatural, man-generated information into a person. And the natural directives, the DNA is in every cell, and it's constantly releasing information for that cell to repair itself and for the body to work. This gets overwritten by these new introductions that certain people with the qualifications to do so have decided they have the right to offer us. And we have unfortunately consented because we have been led to believe there was an, a pandemic and we had to do this for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So how do you explain that to your neighbors it's not easy to do i mean you you all have looked at material like this for a long time and you understand that there is a genetic cargo that can be transferred you understand that cells open them up open themselves up to 
foreign materials and they examine them and they have to decide whether they use them or not. And if the foreign material is slick enough, it can get into the cell and it can hijack the nucleus and it can tell the cell to make an entirely different thing. This is alchemy. Yeah. What do you suppose if they can if they can drop this stuff from the sky that they were so adamant about people getting needles? Because there must needles must be a phase two of this. There's a general, like I'm just guessing, a general seeding. You know, you you put basic ingredients into a bowl and you mix them and then you wait and you add stuff from another bowl. And then you put it in the oven and now you have a cake. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a basic procedural thing. So I'm going to ask you some words. Have you heard of these words? Arithmancy, chiromancy. I heard of a new one last night, tyromancy, seromancy. Oh, tyromancy is in this list. Tassiography. Oneromancy. Have you heard of any of those words? Arithmancy, right? That's, or what is it? Arith, arithmancy? It's just like yeah. numbers, right? Using using numbers to, to div, div, divination through numbers, right? Very good. So the key here is divination. Tassiography is reading tea leaves to predict the future. Tyromancy is watching cheese coagulate and reading the future from it. I didn't know Wait, they what's did that. that? What was, what's that one called? Tyro, T-Y-R-O. Do you know what the root word in that is? T-Y-R-O, what it refers to? Oh, you want to look it up? Who has who's yeah. Speedy Gonzalez and can get on the computer? I just saw that on Masterminds last night, and I went, "Oh, I know these mancy words, but I, I forgot that that one was actually in my list." So there's tire. also <laughs> I don't know the the, the Canaanites. I don't know. So oneromancy is divination by dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Ololigmancy is reading a palm. Okay. And so this Nobel Prize winning Polish writer, Olga Tokarczuk, she won the 2018 Nobel Prize in Literature. She came up with a new form, Scientomancy. <laughs> and that's predicting the future by science. So I'm saying, all right, if they have designed these things that they're injecting into us, they can tell us what they think is going to happen. They can predict the future. We can't because we don't know enough about their design. But Scientomancy should be able to tell us what the goal is here, right? Only they're not saying anything about it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of like that. Um, there's that that insurance. He was I can't remember what he was on a fairly famous podcast recently. He was in he used to work for insurance companies like in medical insurance companies. And what he would do is he would track the um, the, the pharmaceutical, um, you know, chemicals that somebody was taking. Like, so they would basically have like a, a profile of a person, right? And they would mm -hmm. say, okay, they're taking this, 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 and this at this amount. Okay, well, they could predict basically by like to like the, the month when that person would expire, when their, when their insurance would expire, right? So when they would die. Um, and wow. so that that's like, that's sort of, to me, that's that was just like an automatic. There's like a, a, a parallel there, or if not a parallel, an exact example, right? I think that's sort of what you're getting at. And now that that could also be applied to, obviously, any other, any other of these crystalline chemical cocktails that are being, 
either admitted intravenously or I guess you could say intramuscularly. Um, is that sort of mm -hmm. what you're getting at? That's that, that's the general idea, right? Like, well, yeah. So there was an article, there was a work by Olga and I read a derivative of that work in a magazine. So her original work was titled Scientomancy or Divination by Science. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, actually that was the, forget it. That was the article I read. It doesn't matter. She introduced me to a new word, holobiont, H-O-L-O-B-I-O-N-T. So in biology, a holobiont is the collective grouping of a host and its internal and surrounding organisms. So the organisms are called bionts. So you have endobionts inside you, and then you have bionts that sit on your skin and are around you. A coral reef is a hollow biont example, mm. right? So multi-species collection, housing various organisms that cooperate or compete with one another, and that they are pretty much interdependent. So here's this word, hollow biont, and I realized, my God, with this new biology that has been introduced, first with the planes, and now we can see people who have been analyzing the contents of the vax, they're finding a new biology activity going on in the vax. So it appears now that we have endobionts taking up residence in us. Endobionts are organisms that live in the body of another. And Clifford Carnicom has proven beyond a shadow of doubt that this novel microorganism, this cross-domain bacteria that he can see in his microscope, but he can't see into it, and he doesn't know how to take it apart and see into it and know what it's made of and therefore know what it's supposed to do. He can't, he doesn't have the equipment to do that. That this is somebody's design. And guess what? Clifford discovered that the activity that this NMO, novel microorganism, does, the new biology, it works faster when a low voltage current is applied. And we live in a complete electrified environment. Everything around us. Look at you. You're surrounded by wires. Mm -hmm. You have a headset on your head, right? And Sophia, I've always thought, you know, that there was more to this whole, like, these the putting up of these towers these 5g towers over the last couple of years have you found any connection with that as far as like what was in these you know this concoction they put in everyone well i know they're putting 5g up everywhere but i think our phones even though t-mobile tries to sell you a 5g phone i think our phones are still operating on 4g so yeah, I don't know where that. the 5G is and what it's meant to do. And in the beginning, remember the early days of people who were reporting on 5G and they said, oh, the walls block it, windows block it, trees block it. So if it's so easily blocked, then it's not getting in our houses unless that was all bunk. You know, I don't know. But I know I that I, that. you don't believe that walls I, block I, it and all of that. No, I don't. I don't I th think so. Mm. Yeah, and when you look at like how the like the the behavioral um, characteristics of those um, those wavelengths, how they act, especially with like water, it's like I, I don't know what kind of what kind of measuring scale are they using, right? Like, are they even measuring it with, within the right, you know, mm. are, within the right scale within the are they are there are there are the measurements properly lined with the the 
discrete units that they're trying to measure. That's 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 always been my question when I read in the, into those. So that's yeah. Um, but the, well, I always remember that uh, the first supposed COVID deaths in the United States were at a um, an elderly home in Washington State, I believe, if I remember correctly. And it was about a mile away from where they were testing out this long range 5G system. Mm -hmm. Those were the first deaths. That they attributed to COVID. That they right? attributed to COVID. In the U.S. What's that, Remy? In the U.S. or right in the U.S. Nine, it was, I nine. believe, it was Washington. That Don't call me. familiar. Yeah, and I know it was like a they, they were testing out. It was like a specific wall penetrating five G. Hmm. Well, now you have wall penetrating five G. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what's that wall penetrating five G? Well, you know, I reasoned, and this is just reasoning, it's using logic, that if 5G was indeed blocked by walls and windows, then you would have to have a way that it would get into your house and it would be relayed. Like, you know, they have Wi-Fi boosters. You'd have some kind mm -hmm. of booster inside that would then re-transmit um, the 5G that was coming from outside. So how would you get it from outside to in if a wall blocked it? This I didn't understand. So I remember running into an AT&T lineman, a, a technician. He was watching the waves on the beach. And I don't know how or why I started to talk to him, but he told me that he was working with AT&T and they, were, they had been laying fiber optic cables underground for years and spending gazillions of dollars on this. And this was before 5G. And I had my initial question to him when I learned that he worked for AT&T was, hey, are they going to get rid of landlines? Because I use a landline and that's what I prefer. I don't prefer wireless at all. And he said, no, they're spending so much money putting fiber optic cables. Well, that was for 5G. And 5G is transmitted by light inside these fiber optic cables. Therefore, 5G is, in, is much faster. They call it instantaneous because it travels at the speed of light, right? So... Normal 4G and 3G are transferred, transmitted over copper. And there's a lot of degradation that occurs in copper, plus there's lag time. So do you are you familiar with Patrick Wood? No. Patrick Wood writes about technocracy. And technocracy, you're familiar with that word, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Hmm. So technocracy is all about 5G because now here's where we get into all these parallel worlds. They, who have the means, want to create a digital twin of us on the blockchain in, cy in cyber world mm -hmm. that represents us in real time. Mm -hmm. So it could be that all the devices being introduced into us by way of the needle are to relay a real-time replica of us to their um, platforms. Yeah, I believe it. The, I think this, it, it exists on so many, you know, on multi-layers. Uh, and Ray Kurzweil talks about, I mean, how they're going to upload people's consciousness in the 2030s using nanobots. Yeah, I mean, there's they're, they're already talking about these things. You can find it in mainstream media. Uh, so I think there's so there's so much that they can do, and they I mean that's that seems to be an agenda of theirs. 
Of course, they want to twin us. The and they want twin, to, yeah. yeah, they want to follow us and they want us to transact on blockchain entirely. They want everything trackable. And this goes back to the world of technocracy. The technocratic world believes that human beings shouldn't be in charge because they have lapses of judgment or they're too emotionally ruled and they make mistakes. So they would rather turn us over to algorithmic rule, mm -hmm. to rule by computer rather than rule by hum humanity. We will never elect anybody like ourselves to take charge of us because algorithms are more dependable. This is why they want to push us into, you know, querying AI for the answers to everything because mm -hmm. it knows more than we do. And the thing is, this is achieved generationally because our parents are even more against this than we are. We're more of the computer age than they were. You know, some, some people's grandparents and parents never have touched a computer or a phone. Mm -hmm. But the ki little kids growing up today, they're so, let's just say, conversant, fluid with all this new stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that are going to be using it and becoming part of it, not us. We'll die off. Yeah, and it's no it's no coincidence that the the people who died off the most were the elderly. You know what I mean? <laughs> the the people who were targeted at the very beginning of all this, they were the elderly people who weren't doing this stuff. They were not you know useful, not on board. And also, right. Social Security yeah, doesn't have the money to pay them, uh -huh. so they had to eliminate a lot of those people rather than send out those. Well, they used to be checks, but now they're direct deposits. Mm -hmm. But in, and yeah, you can just to piggyback on what you said before, too, like you can see in uh, how some of these people talk. Like if you look at uh, interviews with Yuval Noah, um, he mm -hmm. t constantly talks about like uh, d just getting away with this idea of the human soul. You know, they're they're trying to to dampen and destroy the spirit, the the human essence. What is human? And they want to take Yuval, it over. Yuval Harari? Harari, oh, sorry, yeah. what's it? Yuval, oh, Yuval Noah Harari, that's his Harari. name. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Harari runs a Ferrari. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> yeah, he's a piece Ferrari of... is the car that everyone wants. Everybody wants to be like Harari and, and listen to him and follow and, him. Yeah, oh. Yuval Harari is the, is, the, is the nerd that everybody wants to be like. That's that right. Is, that guy's off the... his wig, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, we, you you did you you were talking about something that you've all heard. Sorry, I didn't you were mean... saying that he. No, I I know you said. Oh, you were saying that he that he's like he's like adamant about getting rid of the idea of like the human spirit and yeah. and and like hacking the body and saying like you know we improve the human by removing the spirit essentially or this superstition yeah. of the spirit. Yeah, that's a right. huge. And I think that's also one of those, um, really dark aspects of the the whole model of of like you know of the whole transhumanist model or even just the the, the it's kind of like this this axiom that's behind a lot of these you know the idea of of you know improving humanity by um by removing a lot of the it really what it is is removing the emotional um characteristic of it because with emotions and and i mean with balanced emotions then you're able to see um another another being and say, wow, I've, I've, I've harmed that. And I don't want to do that because you feel it. It creates a, it creates like a, a concurrent experience of that, 
of that suffering that's being caused. That's what compassion is, right? Calm with and then passio, passio, which means to suffer, right? So when you suffer with another being, then you're less likely to inflict suffering because you're operating at your proper, you know, your proper ratios. But um, removing that aspect of it and turning it all into, it's just, it's removing the emotion aspect and then it's, it's, it's basically just thought and action. So it's thinking and then acting without any type of processing of like, well, you know, what, what they're calling the flaw in humanity is this, this, you know, this human and natural, you know, you could say spiritual desire to, um, to not, to not cause damage uh, for the purpose of achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve, you know? So I think that that's, this is kind of like the poisonous aspect of, of the, um, you know, the, this push towards, you know, the, 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 you know, basically being looped in and tethered to a digital, primarily a digital, um, you know, a, a digital medium for all, essentially for all forms of interaction with, with humanity. I think, um, I do think that there, that that's a large part of, all of this that we've even spoken of is like how, how that will be applied and used and um, manipulated for, you know, this digital, digital based, you know, essentially control and like, yeah. Life, life by through digital. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. You said the word, the superstition of the human spirit. So that's what he says that there, we're superstitious, that there is such a thing as a spirit. I think that that's sort of his essentially. Yeah. There's like, it's an implication that he makes. He, he you know, his, yeah. his idea is like intelligent design by, by humans who are intelligent and no longer this idea that there is a, a an all knowing mind. What, what other, not, not even addressing any specific like theological framework for a creative mm -hmm. force, but just this idea. He's just saying, we don't need that. Well, like humans are, are, yeah, we are the we are the we are the god that that we're creating human humanity yeah. in our image. He literally says that, and he means people of this upper echelon of the technocratic sphere. He was so. absolutely like like tr transferring the power of God to them to themselves, right? That when you when you hear him speak, um, he he specifically mentions God. Oh, no longer will you like sort of adhere to this silly idea of a god and a soul and a spirit. And all that, well, no, the power is in our hands now. Like that's what I get from from what he says. And if you if you really listen to him, science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design, not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. I mean, it's absolutely psychopathic. Um, and re really, like at the bottom of all this, it's uh, as cliche as it is now. It, it really is a spiritual war. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if people, I, I encourage people to look into that <laughs> further because it gets pretty dark. Um, I know where time is flying by, so I wanted to get into um, some of this this culture stuff um, that you've been talking about, Sophia. If we could get into that culture, you mean? Or uh, virus cultures? Uh, or yes. Culture, culture. What are you talking about? Uh, oh well, you you spoke about uh, these. There's there's some crystalline, some crystalline mm -hmm. uh, toxins being used. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, will this change our idea of what they're doing with 
with viral culture. So we've covered a lot on this show. We've covered the, you know, the sort of the lie of of viral cultures and and virology in general and how they're really creating the conditions to um to concoct this idea of a pathogenic particle that replicates, takes over your cells and all that. So what is your um what have you found in that process that we haven't been talking about? Well, I will refer you to a blog that's a little hard to follow, my friend Jennifer Lake, jenniferlake.wordpress.com. And she's been posting a lot of stuff on her blog for many years. Now, what's happening, the way that she's found a lot of this, some of it is online, but some of it is from books. A lot of the professors who taught at colleges like Harvard and Yale and East Coast colleges, they have died off obviously they can't live forever because they don't know Yuval Harari or Ray Kurzweil <laughs> yet <laughs> so their families have dumped their book collections into used bookstores so you can go through used bookstores and you can find in areas where there have been a lot of professors let's just say I'm speaking loosely amazing books for a dollar or two dollars or three dollars so my friend has collected a lot of these books and read them and read a lot of things. And there is a quote attributed to Francis Crick of Crick and Watson, the DNA grandpas. Mm -hmm. Any child can make a virus. Huh? I thought we had to have all kinds of science and labs and this and that. So what they what he means is the material that they obtain from the deconstruction of organic waste. That's what labs do they end up making crystals that they call viruses. And these viruses, these crystals, are made of identical subunits. So everything ends up looking like the polio virus, plant viruses, measles viruses. What are these viruses? They are getting tissue from people who are reputedly sick with measles or polio. In many cases, they use feces of these people and they work them down. They render them, they put them through all kinds of, of processes in a lab, just the way Marie Curie did to isolate radium. And they break down by centrifuging, by rendering, filtering, smoking things off, you know, like she did with chemistry. It's all about chemistry in a way, biochemistry. And they break this stuff down into an indiscriminate liquid filtrate which then crystallizes and they call this virus because guess what it is these are the building blocks these crystalline filtrates as i call them are the building blocks of nanotechnology you can program these things so Go ahead. Oh, sorry. So I just want to make this clear, but we're not talking about like contagious viruses that are passed between people or anything like that. Like you're attributing the word virus to what is essentially a crystalline toxin, correct? You're using the word toxin. I'm saying yeah. it's a crystalline material. This is yeah. what when you go to read studies in virology and they talk about Ebola virus and polio virus and this virus, what they're talking about is the end result of working down, breaking down organic material that has been derived from a source. And that source has the disease called polio, they say, right? Mm -hmm. 
And that material, they call it virus. That's it. And they know how to work it. They know how to insert code on it. And they put it into syringes and they put it into people. And they say, this is going to prevent the disease that that we have told you everybody has right now. So they're calling this thing virus while telling us a virus is this thing that they get from the cytopathic effect in in viral cultures, like as it's known in the mainstream. Is that what you're saying? Like the inner workings. They're like... saying that there's a thingamabob that is a lot like bacteria. In fact, if you look up under images in any, um, you know, start page or Google or whatever, you look up virus and you look up bacteria, you're going to get identical artist renderings of these things. It's basically like a cartoon. Cartoons, right. Right? Yeah. So they are saying, oh, guess what, people? First, we had the germ cause of disease. Now there's something new and it's inorganic, but it knows how to mutate and it's called virus. It's smaller and trickier than bacteria. And now we think that a lot of these diseases that you all have are caused by viruses and they they are contagious. They're in the environment, millions and millions of them, but most of them are harmless. Don't worry, but there are some that are not harmless. And our job is to find those and protect you against them. And we have this stuff in this file and it's called a vaccine and we've worked on it in our lab and we have made it so that when you get a little bit of this stuff, it causes you to develop an immune reaction. And you need our stuff and you need our needles and you need to line up and give us your arms. That's the cover story. But what is that stuff they're calling virus in all these papers? It's mm -hmm. really this crystalline rendering. Which would make sense. I mean, because the whole idea of the injections is that it's in there, that the substance is in there. It's a weakened yes, version. That's the premise. Right. So, yeah. So it, it almost sounds to me kind of almost, and I can, I can understand what your, what, what your, your process, what your, your, your conclusion is there. It's almost sounds to me like, you know, there is, it's like a, in a sense, a more nefarious and maybe like the dark side of like, what would be the basic idea behind homeopathy. You're finding the essence of this thing and you're able to, um, like you said, it's a filtrate, right? It's a crystalline filtrate. And, right. And Chris, but, yeah. It, but it ha it's tuned to a certain, um, to a certain, you could say tuned to a certain um, purpose or it, it was, it was taken from a certain condition. So it sort of carries the spirit of that. That's how I, in a certain, yeah, in a way, it, I understood. It. Yeah. Right. It, it, according to them, it carries the basic material that will cause your body to grapple with a little bit of what could cause a disease and build up antibodies to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But here's the thing. You use the word tuned and you use the word homeopathy. As I understand it, and I know next to nothing about homeopathy, homeopathy is an energetic form of healing that is tuned mm -hmm. because there's a very, um, a very kind of um, deep dilution process to what is eventually a homeopathic remedy. Mm -hmm. And it contains the ability to confer healing, but there's so little of what they originally put in it. I don't know how it works, but it works or we wouldn't have homeopaths that actually are helping people. So this virus stuff is probably modeled on that, the concept of it, but I don't think it's necessarily about, it's not an energy medicine. It's a, hey guys, this is what, A, it's linear. 
get a little bit of smallpox, uh, the bad stuff, and your body will develop an immune response. Now, none of that is correct. I want to emphasize mm -hmm. what if you really look at the early days of virology and what they were doing, they were putting stuff into monkeys' brains and using, I mean, the most disgusting, awful. These scientists were fond of it. They carried polio crystals made of poop in their pockets, mm. right? Now, here's something very interesting. Rosalind, um, I want to say Peterson, she's the chemtrails lady. Rosalind Parker, I think that was her name. Am I getting it right? Or am I having a senior moment? She had a lab. She was a crystallographer in Britain. And she had a lab in London. And she did a lot of the crystallography for the early vaccine makers, like the Salks and the Sabins. And they would send polio virus. Now, remember... We're not talking about anything that causes diseases, a slick little critter that knows how to mutate. We're talking about crystals. That's called poliovirus. They were sending them over to England for Rosalind. Please tell me her name. Why have I forgotten it? This is terrible. Mm. Rosalind Parker, I want to say. I have to look it up. But anyway, they were carry sending this to Britain, and they were... Um, when she got them, she couldn't see the polio crystals. I'm Googling it. They, they, It was like they were gone. And they found out later that they were only visible, only visible, only visible if they were sent in fused quartz vials. I'm typing. You guys better say something because I have to make sure I'm getting her name <laughs> right. Horrendous. Um, so Rosalind only... Franklin. Okay, Franklin. slap me. <laughs> Parker Franklin. <laughs> What's the difference, right? <laughs> okay. Rosalind Franklin. My God, how many times have I said Parker? All right. Rosalind Franklin was her name. So you couldn't see the polio crystals unless they were transported across the Atlantic in a fused quartz vial. That's glass. So you know how some of these researchers are saying there's no mRNA in the shots? Yeah. I'm saying, are you looking at them through fused quartz or not? Because this is called optogenetics. There's an optic light effect. Light, the proper kind of light in the proper kind of um, environment will show you something, and otherwise you don't see it. Okay. Remy so what do you see so, when you do oh, that? I just brought my volume back up. So so they're not viewable unless viewed through another form of, uh, of unless crystal, they're of seen in yeah those particular crystals would appear and disappear depending on the what they were contained in. Okay. Okay. So I'm just saying that there's so much complex behavior. There's so much complex behavior that goes on in this world and they don't tell us about it and they don't understand it themselves so they'll tell us something like a child can make a virus and we say oh well good i'll, I'll my son will become a virologist you know that's how we hear that so what happens in the body is let's get an, into the exosome endosome mm -hmm. uh, discussion right so when stuff floats around the bloodstream it'll bump into cells obviously or it'll go towards cells, or maybe it's targeted towards cells, because we actually have cells that make stuff, 
cells live in neighborhoods or communities, as I understand it. And when a cell is in distress, let's say you bump your knee and you have a contusion and there are cells that have been like broken and they need repair. And some of them will be able to repair themselves. Some of them might be in a state beyond repair and they're either going to die, which is called necrosis, or they're going to develop some kind of diseased, half-baked, half-life state, or they're going to call for help to other cells. And cells communicate through gap junctions, as I understand it. Look, I've never been in a lab and looked in microscopes and seen these things. I'm just taking certain people's word for it. Zach mm -hmm. Bush, who is a one of us, he's joined our ranks. He was a um, chemo designer, right? Um, anyway, he, he says, says viruses cells, are upgrades, though. He, I know, he <laughs> believes in viruses. I mean, not everybody yeah. is perfect, right. right? Yeah. So he says cells communicate through gap junctions. Cells call to other cells for information. And other cells will say, oh, you don't know how to do this or that? Okay, good. I'll send you the instructions. And so cells issue exosomes, which are, they're, they're actually envelopes carriers bags sacks call them vesicles is the scientific word they carry healthy and lost information to target cells to tell other cells who are in distress how to fix themselves so the exosome is a nano-sized messenger that travels in the bloodstream to recipient cells and when the exosome which is spiked everybody spiked it has a corona on it and it matches up the pictures of what these artists have these cartoons they have made called virus so there are researchers in our midst who early on identified that what the virologists in virology were talking about the pictures they showed were really these things called exosomes in the bloodstream and the spikes on the exosome they hit the membrane of the recipient cell which is voltage gated remember piezoelectricity Mm -hmm. Mechanical force opens the gate by voltage, and the exosome slips into the cell where it becomes an endosome. Endo means to go inside. Now the target cell is analyzing it, going, what is this? It came to me. Was it supposed to come to me? Is it an accident? And it has various... Um, various let's just say soldiers that analyze and they'll eat the foreign particles. I don't know if I'm saying this word correctly, but phagocyte is one, uh, lymphocyte is another. So the cells contain their own army of troops to look at invaders and either accept them or reject them. So if they accept them, in the case of SynBio, they have managed to fool ourselves they have managed to give ourselves an introduction of new material that slips inside and that basically takes over and issues a rewrite of dna and that's virus for you that's what's coming in and has been for a long time in these syringes and that's sort of like a program to create whatever disease they want to manifest what you're saying. Whatever condition they want to condition. manifest. And now we're back to scientomancy. Do we know what that is? No. We receive it as a kind of chaos that goes on. 
And so these people who have attributed all these uh, functions to exosomes, how do they how do they prove this claim? Do they have any like documentation of this or like what do they use to prove that? Prove okay, first of all, these people who say this about exosomes, what are you talking about? Well, I forget who you're talking about, who like where where this information originated from, like the people who discovered Look that... up exosome anywhere on online an exosome everything will tell you an exosome is something that travels around outside the cell and bumps into it and gets in and an endosome is a it's just a prefix for something for a sac a nano-sized vesicle sac or mm -hmm. pouch containing proteins and nucleic acids mm -hmm. so an exosome is like a letter it's an envelope and it becomes an endosome when it is admitted into the cell by the cell's membrane opening up and saying, all right, you rang my doorbell. Who are you? What do you want? So th these are the, the functions that mainstream is sort of attributed to exosomes then. This exosome is, like is just the, a word like yeah. taxi cab. It's the word uh -huh. like bus or car. It doesn't oh. mean it's a generic term. What oh, okay. is the exosome? What is the nucleic acid? collection that it's carrying what are the instructions in it and what biotech has developed is a way to create exosomes that contain genetic cargo that can do a rewrite once it gets into a cell now how do they do that i don't know interesting what do you think remy I I think I mean well that's the the question is like when like how do you what are those measurements when what is the input amount and who like how what exact cases are these things being um d exhibited through the introduct through the introduction and then through the the subsequent manifestation of these programs that's the question it's like which ones I think that that kind of gets in into the the and I don't think it's an answered it's an answered question so it's like when people are injected with you know whatever disease so-called you know the the so-called vaccine remedy for it right then what occurs often is you know what we're calling damage is is that sort of in in a way are you implying that that's essentially what the program is delivering so it's like you're saying that basically they've mimicked that process of and i mean if you kind of simplify it's basically a process of saying getting information in small bits to the small parts right so to it's the like cell. yes they right, have so... figured out how to make synthetic viruses all the viruses that are being injected into you are lab made and synthetic and they have genetic cargo on them so there is a guy humane genomic founder his name is andrew hessel this was an interview in probe magazine in 2019 and he said that drug manufacturing is going by the wayside. Going by the wayside because it's unaffordable. It's 10,000 10, a month for some drugs, 100,000 a month for other drugs. And insurance is getting sick of paying this. Medicare is getting sick of paying it. So now you have to, they need another, another path, another tack, right? So he says, we sort of threw small molecule drugs away because while you can computationally predict those, scientomancy through computation, we have no idea how they're going to end up in the body and what kind of reaction will ensue. We began with biologics to remove this hard to predict program. 
cells, viruses are all machines in a way. And the, here's technocracy again, reducing everything to machine componentry. And they're programmable. So he says, each person is different. Every cancer, for instance, is different in each person. So we need to build something that is personalized and scalable so that every person gets their own custom-made synthetic virus to treat their disease. There you go. So we passed from, from chemical medicine, which was pharmacological drugs, yeah? where they made chemical compounds and they treated this disease. And their ambition was every disease we can identify. And let me just say something. There's only one disease, one disease, that's it. And that is basically oxidative stress or failure of the mitochondria in a particular type of cell or tissue. So if you have mitochondrial failure, meaning that the brain of the cell can't work anymore, the cell becomes basically a retard and gets dysfunctional and either dies or gets sick and kind of lunges along doing its best, asking for exosomes and help and new instructions. And it either is able to receive those and do something with it or not. That's the game. That's the crapshoot. So disease is given a different name. If it develops in your retina, it's called blah, blah, blah. If it develops in your inner ear, it's called blah, blah, blah. If it develops in your liver, it's called something else. That's all disease is. So what they have decided now is to that we moved from chemical medicine to radiation medicine, right? And then to radiation diagnostics and radiation medicine. So come in and oh, doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you. Have an x-ray. Do you know that they used to have x-ray machines in shoe stores to try to give you the best fit. <laughs> oh my God. Weird. Everybody oh my had God. an x-ray machine in the heyday of the x-ray. Even Al Bundy? <laughs> <laughs> they had x-rays at parties. Psychics used to do divination from an x-ray of you. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So now we're into genetic medicine. We're still going to do radiation diagnostics by screenings. And I'll include CAT scans, MRIs, all of that. But they're into genetic medicine now. And the idea is you are unique. I pass billboards, UCSD Healthcare billboards saying personalized medicine at UCSD. Yeah, and we think that's a doctor and a nurse and they sit down with you and they hold your hand. They say, tell us what's wrong. Okay. What is it? It's genetic. It's, it's genetic and um, genetic profiling bio, like basically a biometric profile to put the genetic profiling on. And, and then also synthesizing literally through 3d printing, synthesizing so-called, you know, cures for you that are gen so that are claimed to be genetically based tuned for that person that's the exactly. idea exactly right? yeah and that's gene therapy mm -hmm. and they call this treating disease before it occurs because guess what our machines told us that your family line and you in particular might get this disease or this disease. now we're going to give you a vaccine we're going to give you your own specialized targeted prevention program it's and like minority will... report for sickness <laughs> yeah people yes yes yeah. people will go for it mm-hmm because they'll, it's, you know, it's like the old, the old, um, you know, the old, uh, 
I wouldn't say witch doctors, but like the, you know, the charlatan doctors that, the, the snake oil, you know, this whole idea. It's like, oh, you're going to get this thing that's going to happen. And now, you know, they've, they've, they've built that on the back of like, you know, the, what the last hundred years or so of, well, your whole entire personality is, is narrowed down to your DNA. So we can predict everything about you through that. And like, and then, you know, spin a, a, a crystalline concoction that is, that will keep you just above, just above dead so that, you know, then we can give you the next one. It's a pretty, right. It's a pretty, so that it's we a can, pretty freaky so, idea. Yeah. Yeah. We can harvest your biorhythms and make, run our crypto mining off it. Yeah. And that's also actually, as you were explaining that, um, I, I had found a few pages in, um, in this book, the singularity is near where he's describing essentially DNA computing and, um, then it and that you know kind of attached it's connected back to some information that i had seen you know um allison mcdowell would address just as one exactly Um, she's very good at this oh yeah yeah but here's the thing who has the time to understand everything we have to do what we can we have to make our own picture of it it's so allison mcdowell is so brilliant and her stuff is so it's broad and it's deep right Mm -hmm. and our understanding has to be multi-dimensional we have to have a gut response to some of this and we have to be willing to change that that impression that we get when it's when something else comes along and we say Mm -hmm. wow no that 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 resonates with me but how do i fit that where can i put it it's not easy to do this yeah and i think you mentioned you said you said you you described essentially the um I would say the 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 functions that occur, the mechanisms by which oxidative stress or mitochondrial um, degradation occur, and um, another way that I've seen that sort of um, assessed or analyzed is basically that it's that there's a, there's usually a, a sort of phi uh, a phi or phi right phi the um, you know the Greek symbol mathematical um, you know term. That there's a one, so Ken Wheeler, as an example, would, would describe it as like one over the power of phi to the, one over phi to the power of negative three, um, which basically when you break that down, it's a specific, you know, it's a specific ratio within, um, uh, you know, the, uh, within the, the proportions present within anything that exhibits some type of harmonious, um, constructive, uh, constructive um form so anything that formulates into a a, you know a a discernible um whether it be a cell a healthy cell a healthy body a healthy ear all of these things that 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 are functioning at an optimum or close to an optimum rate have to be at that one i have to be at that phi ratio basically so the way that that's described is is so for example through the, the the mitochondrial issues that you see through oxidative stress, that's essentially the loss of a of a phi relationship within that um, specific organ or within that that node and on the body, and it's it's ba- basically being disjunct from that. Um, so, and what you said about you, we, nobody's going to be able to sit down and learn every single detail of every single thing. So it's like you, you, in a certain sense, have to get that big picture and recognize the, the holographic, um, the holographic, uh, transmission, transmission of the information in that when you find this principle within this thing, and then you apply kind of, you know, the intuitive, the intuitive, um, processing of it, 
you're going to be presented with kind of a big picture. And I think that that is, that was something that I actually wrote um, down because I haven't been reading it from a super um, scientific, you know, taking, you know, taking a list of, of materials and, and then, you know, really being, I'm, I'm, I'm scrutinizing the process, you know, rationally and logically, I'm not just, you know, passing over it, but it has been a largely, well, okay, what's the big picture here and sort of trying to uh, get to that. And I think that what you said, Sophia, about that is, I, I really agree with that. I think that that's, that's, uh, that's how the average, you know, the, the, the average person who can't immerse themselves 100% in this, you know, one part of it, how they're able, you are able to at least glean some, some type of clarity from it. And as you sort of, uh, you, the way you communicated earlier, you're increasing in an understanding, right? You're, you're, you're purifying your perspective to get closer to and expand your understanding. And I think that is very, um, important and poignant as, as a, as a kind of like a, a method of approach, even as much as it is the conclusion. Yeah, I mean, that's what we can do. Mm -hmm. that, that anybody, there's only so many hours in the day, and then we have to knock ourselves out and go to bed for eight hours or six hours so that we can repair, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, it sounds like we're coming to a natural close. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask before, you know, how come... How come people aren't talking about this? More people aren't talking about this. Like I've had Robert O. Young on the show. He's looked at um, this stuff under a microscope for years now. Uh, why do you suppose people aren't really talking about it? I don't think they know. Really? Yeah, I don't think they they I don't think they've looked at virology this way. I mean, maybe these people, maybe my friend. Jenny has just had the good luck to see this in the early books, mm -hmm. which, I mean, the stuff on the internet, I don't think is as clean as the stuff in some of these books, because there was less of an obscurity in agenda. Well, here's the thing. People get caught. Everything is duality, right? So there's black and white. There's yeah. good and bad. There's cowboys and Indians. So the... One side is this germ theory, this germ theory of disease, which now has been cleaned up by the terrain theory. Mm -hmm. And the proclamation of the germ theorists was germs cause disease. The proclamation of the terrain theorists was, no, it's the terrain of the body that gets toxified that causes disease. That's not incorrect. But then you've got the public you know, perception of viruses that has been, my God, beaten to death by mainstream media there's a fear component attached to that that these viruses are now the new germs yet they're inorganic this is what i don't understand if they're inorganic what the hell are they you know and you can't kill a virus but they, we think you everybody seems to believe that you can because if it's inorganic you can't kill it right so but you'll see ads for this kills viruses lysol kills germs and viruses <laughs> okay. yeah everybody believes it so nobody so you have different kinds of viruses you have the virus that is supposed to cause diseases that lurks in ponds and will give you polio do you know why we shower before we go in a public pool that's a vestige of the polio days <laughs> they actually still think that taking a silly crappy little rinse Two-second rinse is going to remove the polio virus from your body. Right. 
Yeah. Well, they, they contradict themselves all the time. They also say UV light kills viruses, you know, exactly. in seconds or minutes or whatever. But then they act like they never said that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, right. just wrought with uh, internal so contradictions. Yeah. yeah. We've got the concept of a virus that causes disease that's out to get you. There are millions and billions of them, but most are harmless, but some are not harmless. But they can't find them careful. at all. Right. Right. <laughs> but then there's the, oh, no. They made the AIDS virus at Fort Detrick, and they made Ebola, and they unleashed it. And yet, we can't find proof of any of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Um, swine flu was caused by pesticide runoff. Um, Agent Orange was the cause of bird flu. So anyway, we get all these flus, and flu is a very, it's flu is a term like exosome. It's an umbrella term for just not feeling great. And in extreme flus, you have detox. runny nose and you have all kinds. Of, yeah, it's a big detox yeah. effort. So the lab-made virus, I'm just going to put that aside, that causes pandemics and epidemics. I'm going to put aside the virus that's somehow taken the place of a germ in our world. But there is virus in virology, and what are they talking about? And that's this crystalline filtrate. I just think we should call it something else because I hate their word. <laughs> yes, call it CFs. Call it crystalline filtrate. I like that. That's in it because yeah. it really gets to the because also that just opens the door of like the significance of crystalline structures in, mm -hmm. in and of themselves. But um, I, I had something else. Never mind. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll jump back. Well, I was going to say, and it sounds like if you stay away from needles, then you'll be okay. Unlike their version, which is like, it's everywhere and you can breathe it in and it's, you know, don't have sex. Well, they, they want us to be isolated from each other. They tried yeah. so hard with the AIDS epidemic that they called an epidemic to get us to mm -hmm. stop having sex. Yeah. And um, I actually uh, received a manuscript from, a literary agent once it was written by a social worker from LA and she thought this book was going to be extremely popular it was how to have a relationship without the exchange of body fluids wow. dry <laughs> contact only and this is like that sounds the... like fun I know exactly <laughs> she... this was supposed to be the next big book I'm gonna put right? that on my tinder profile <laughs> dry contact only <laughs> <laughs> gosh oh man now the, the thing that's really that always that has always been a question in my mind and it continues to be when i started to peel back the layers of the the you know the the virus claim and the, the idea behind virology as a former absolute total germaphobe um was my question was was what then it was same as what you're saying what are they doing so i, I you know they're either completely bumbling fools just it's just complete folly that's based on a false idea which i think i've kind of come to the conclusion that it's kind of a combination of these it's f folly where people really don't know what they're doing and their premise is false so like they're not really sure of what they're coming up with but whoever is kind of pulling the strings I think that there's an element of like they do have a certain goal in mind and and it's it's not as like i mean if you just wanted to kill a whole bunch of people you would just put a whole bunch of bleach in it and then t and have people you know inject bleach or or arsenic or whatever you know and it's just something that's just gonna 
you know, oh, it'll, you know, but then people will put the, put the pieces together maybe, but they're not now. So uh, who's to say that? So it makes me wonder like if there is really something that they really are trying to like crack some code and, and it seems like based off of what you're saying that there is some, there's a chance that there is something to it, especially when you start to ask questions or explore the idea of crystal crystal based communication in the first place. And I think that's where you, that's where you lose a lot of the um, kind of like the, the materialist, or even if it's a person who is not a self-proclaimed materialist, they're still axiomatically a materialist and that they think the entire world only operates based off of these very finite, you know, physical conditions, but there are more and electricity actually can't even be treated with physics, which is why they shut down so many labs in the sense that you can't take a vial of electricity. You can't weigh electricity. It's because right. it's, 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 it's magneto dielectric, which are field um, perturbations or field. It, it has something to do with the, 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 um, the conditions of some type of intermediary field that is fluctuating. So that's where it, that's where in my experience where I've tried to kind of put this, I not this exact idea, but the kind of idea that there's some type of communication that's going on. Um, it's usually shrugged off as kind of just like another, another, um, superstition or, or like another, like, you know, um, you could say it's like a sort of like a, a, a new, a woo woo new agey type of, uh, perspective but i think that the fact is that we can't really science electricity in the way that you can um you know a, a bottle of 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 i don't know whatever like i said earlier ar- arsenic or, or even water you can't really you can't do the right. scientific method in the same way which is why in my understanding why electrical labs like somebody like eric p dullard who who points out they don't have electrical labs anymore and he says i don't know why they just came and destroyed mine I don't have one. Nobody's built one since then. And they don't do this. And he, he sort of breaks down this idea of um, dielectricity as a f- sort of missing function of electricity that's not really taught. Um, anyway, this question, I think, f- sort of fits into that that um, category of um, forbidden forbidden inquiry. And I think that that is an interesting um, observation to see that there, you know, as you're really trying to figure this out, Sophia, this idea of, you know, the, the depth of what this information is being transmitted. I've been kind of asking similar questions, not coming to any solid, I think this yet, but, um, I do think that it is under explored. And I guess the question is why, and I, I think that's one of the reasons too, but I don't know, well, something that I'm definitely going to look at it. They are doing something in these labs. I mean, there's trillions of dollars expended on their equipment, salaries, and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they are all working with, you know, technocracy says everything can be reduced into a machine component, mm-hmm. some aspect of mach- machines or technology. So these people are doing the same in biotech. They look upon everything biological down to its smallest, smallest um, bit is a machine. Mm-hmm. And they have simply assigned people to different tasks, and those people are reporting back on what these tiny, tiny machine parts do. And it's they are they are everything is documented. Everybody who has a job in biotech documents. They don't just sit and and drink coke and eat potato chips at work, right? They're doing, they're documenting what they're doing, and that is traveling up into this field, and it's getting, the field gets more and more 
uh, narrow and powerful and it starts, let's just say it's a delegation, re-delegation starts to happen. I don't know, but we know something is being done with all this. And I'm guessing accurately, thanks to my friend Jenny and her work, that they're making these materials for rewriting for transhumanism for rewriting genetic function so there you go hijacking yeah and like you said at the beginning of this you know they're they keep technology they have technology for decades before they let us in on it so there's no way of really knowing um jenny sounds like an interesting person to talk to as well maybe we can have her on sometime you definitely can that would be great her blog is uh, jenniferlake.wordpress.com and she also has a twin blog which is a little older called polioforever.wordpress.com okay so check her out yeah and what about you let's um yeah i'll wrap this up i've held you for long enough i think but where where can people follow your work sophia well i have my main website which actually is best accessed through my blog sophiasmallstorm.com sophia with an f and I put stuff up there almost every day, but sometimes I'll have lapses when I get really busy or I get busy on a newsletter. I won't post as much. But if you follow the stuff on the blog, you will understand my angle on things. And then I have my newsletter, which you can get from my website. You have to subscribe to it. And it goes out snail mail hard copy. And I'm happy to send you guys a newsletter if you would like, if you want to stay in connection and contact with me and keep following, and then I can send you newsletters and uh, we can do shows on them periodically. That's really how I get the material for interviews is through this newsletter Mm -hmm. and anyone's welcome to subscribe. Um, You have to do a donation and it says on my Sophia Smallstorm blog, how to do that and where to send it. So there's that. And then there's my store, online store, avatarproducts.com, where I have shared the things I found for what I call bioremediation. I really pride myself in certain things, iodine. I have three kinds of iodine. I have contact with three different labs. They make iodine in different ways. And iodine is really integral and important to metabolic function magnesium products we have incredible laundry powder i know everybody who makes this stuff i've gotten to these are our peers they're our friends you know so i just would like to introduce people to avatarproducts.com and my newsletter and my blog and that's it very cool uh remy anything to add no okay well this is going to be a great one um I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you guys for joining me. And uh, I have a new subscriber section of Spotify. If you'd like to join, um, you get a little extra bonus material. Uh, please consider doing that. Or if you'd like to support the show, otherwise, uh, you can do so via the Buy Me a Coffee link in the caption. Um, cool. Thank thank you guys again so much. And Sophia, I hope you come back and, and talk to us again sometime. It was uh, It was fascinating. I loved this show. I love both of you. You're very intense and sincere, and I'm so happy to have been invited. Thank you so much, and to all your listeners as well for following you and listening to your show. And now we. <laughs> Great. All right, guys. Thanks again. <laughs>